0: Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition.
1: living is the life
0: for me. Come on around back, Arizona. It is 8 o'clock Saturday morning fourth Saturday of the month. So we are joined by urban farmer greg and our weekly radio broadcast talking all things urban farming and today is one of my favorite topics backyard livestock good morning greg and you've got a special guest joining you with us
1: hello hello yes i do actually i think she knows more about backyard livestock than i do she's amazing Carrie spencer from the micro farm project hello Hi, Kari. everybody
0: well, we thank you all for your time this Saturday morning. If you would have questions about starting your own little flock of backyard livestock, uh, different animals, different city regulations, we'll be covering all those things, but you can join the conversation at one 767 4348 That's one rosie for you. Text questions can be sent to 411-923, and if you'd like to... Uh, Snap a picture. Need a little help with uh, identifying what it is you're trying to describe. You can send pictures to info at rosyonthehouse.com. And you know, I never like to start on a downer, but just before the broadcast, Greg, you called ranchman's. Uh-huh. What did they say?
1: No, oh, they called they said, yeah, they're sold out on everything except meat turkeys.
0: Meat turkeys. I called Gordon's feed. They're not getting any pullets for 10 days, and the stock shop has no idea when they're getting any. (laughs) So we're going to tell you um, how to raise chickens. You just can't buy any right now. (laughs) 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 Chickens, goats, and more, I guess, right?
2: Yeah. There's a lot of other backyard livestock besides chickens, although they're kind of the, I would say, the gateway backyard livestock.
0: Absolutely. So where are we getting started? What, what, let's
1: look at the different kinds of, just touch briefly on the different kinds of livestock that you can grow in your yard. And that's there are me so, pitching to you. so many sorry. of them. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: well, you know, the, I think the most common ones are chickens and, and goats because people really like to have those eggs. And chickens are really, really easy. And goats, because uh, fresh raw milk is just the best. Um, so that's, those are maybe the two most common, but there are quite a few other ones. Um, as you mentioned, the meat turkeys. Turkeys are very easy to raise. You just need some space. Um, there's ducks. If you don't have much space and you want eggs, you can raise coternix quail, also called Japanese quail. They don't need much space at all, and they produce Eggs like crazy, and of course there's uh, backyard bees and rabbits
1: and worms.
2: And worms. I mean, the list goes on.
1: <laughs> yeah. So so let's jump into chickens and the benefits of keeping chickens. You know, because it's not just about uh, it's not just about eggs, is it, Kari?
2: Oh, absolutely not. There are so many benefits to keeping chickens. You know, you you've got meat for some people Um, and besides eggs they're really great helpers in the garden they help to keep pests off the property they can even hunt for scorpions and get rid of those Uh, they create a lot of waste which sounds like a problem but if you're a gardener it's actually a big benefit because composted chicken waste and bedding is some of the best stuff you can put in your garden Uh, Their feathers are great for composting as well, and they are a lot of fun. (laughs) They are worth their weight in entertainment.
0: (laughs) When you mentioned eating scorpions, that also reminded me we we never mentioned guineas, and I do miss having guineas uh, at the place, but what I don't miss is inevitably, if you ever found time for that nice little 20-minute nap, that's when they were the loudest. Yeah.
2: yeah, they they can be very loud. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're they're great eaters of bugs and weeds. In fact, my uh, my compost area is in the chicken coop area, uh, number one. And then the other thing I do is I let them uh, kind of free range throughout my backyard, so that they're doing the mowing of the grass, so that I don't have to.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And one thing I would also mention, considering the times we're living in right now, there's a lot of kids at home, having backyard livestock is one of the best teaching tools that you can provide mm-hmm. for your children to teach them responsibility, where their food comes from. And in our case, we each of our kids had little businesses that they did with uh, when they were young, selling eggs and milk and and other products that they created. Uh, so, you know, it's something to think about uh, for our children. And, I'm glad I did it with mine.
0: <laughs> and you'd mentioned the entertainment value of chickens as well. Um, what what varieties have you all had success with here in the desert? Her?
2: Well, I like the Black Star and Red Star chickens. I, I like the... Um, the Plymouth Rock Chickens, the, there's, there's quite a few varieties that will do really well here. It kind of depends on what you are looking to gain from the chickens, uh, whether you want meat or eggs or both. Uh, the Leghorns, they're skinny chickens. They don't eat much, but they produce a lot of eggs and they can handle the heat. Uh, but then there are some uh, fatter varieties that eat more and they can produce eggs and possibly meat and then there are strictly meat chickens. So, you know, it really depends on what you want and uh, there are online if you google it, you can find resources to help you to pick a chicken <laughs> for depending on what your needs are and what your climate's like.
1: Now, there's there's something really important that it keeps coming up for me over the past 5 or 6 minutes or so and that's the how we take care of chickens. It's not really just about going and getting a few chicks at the, at the uh, feed store. There's a process that goes behind it to make sure they're safe, isn't there, Kari?
2: Oh, yes. Uh, they have special needs, depending on what age you buy them at. If you get chicks, you're gonna need to set up a brooder because they can't control their own body temperature at first, you know, they're just so tiny. So you have to have an enclosed space that keeps them safe and protected. You need sources of water that they can't immerse themselves in, that they can just dip their beaks in, and there are special waterers made for chicks. Uh, you need a heat lamp. And, you know, you just they just need some special care. However, you can buy older hens, point of lay hens, that have, they're basically teenagers who are just on the point where they're going to start laying eggs and they don't need a brooder at all. They need a coop. They need a run. They need a feeder. They need several sources of water and they need good fencing that will keep predators out, including, um, you know, your own dogs, if you have them. Uh, But also we do have some critters that will jump the fence and (laughs) um, can be dangerous to, to chickens coyotes and and other animals depending on how close you live to a preserve
1: well and I'm at 16th street in Bethany home essentially and about four years ago bobcats got in our backyard yes I said bobcats at 16th street in Bethany home and killed a bunch of our hens so uh, and then shortly after that we had a raccoon in our backyard um, so if you're going to I I always encourage people that when you're getting chicks, you need to have thought through the entire process to have a predator-proof coop available for them.
0: Very
2: critical. Yeah, definitely. Chicken wire doesn't cut it. You got to have, you know, some hardware cloth, something that will really keep a predator out, something strong.
0: And
1: why is it called chicken
0: wire? (laughs) Well, it'll keep a chicken in, but it... it's oh, not coyote wire. Oh, okay. I got you. Know, right. To keep the coyote
2: out.
1: <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> right. A wily coyote. <laughs> no. and the, other, the other thing is, a few years ago, I lost some hens here. Maybe, I don't know. I've been keeping hens here for 20 years now. And a few years ago, I lost some hens because their water got warm in the summertime. And they don't drink warm and hot water. And they just dehydrated themselves and died. Uh, so it's always best to change out their water every day and have at least at least two, if not three, uh, places where they can get water. That's really important.
0: And you had mentioned on the chicks, and to me, it's kind of pointless to buy point of lay hens. You miss the whole process, and they're so much more expensive. You can get, uh, you know, when they're, they're little tiny pullets and they're a couple days old, they're, they're like two or three bucks a piece, a point of lay hinge. Mm-hmm you know, they can start 25. Right. So for us, uh, to, to buy the amount of chickens we like to keep, if we bought them all point of lay at $25, you know, multiply that by 24 and it's just way outweighs the, the benefit. And, the cost. So we always like to to start with them really small. And you'd mentioned a heat lamp. We've actually lost a few because they couldn't get far enough away from the heat lamp as well. Like you said, oh, they yeah. can't regulate their temperature. So you have to you do have to provide the warmth, but you also have to make sure that they can cool themselves off as well.
1: Yes, definitely. Right. We actually have an evaporative cooler that we bought off of Craigslist a few years ago. So when it gets really hot, we run the evap cooler for them.
0: We have spoiled chickens here. I can't believe.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: <right>. you do.
0: <laughs> hey, and there's nothing wrong with that. If they're laying, I don't mind spoiling them, <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and they're very, very clearly they are Heidi's pets. Um, <laughs> well, we've got a sick hen right now who is uh, in uh, hopefully not hospice care in the indoor tub, you know, in our bathroom. So
0: hospice. <laughs> so. Uh, I, I I shouldn't have. To, I'm assuming this means they all have names. Oh yes,
1: oh yes, <laughs> and they'll uh, run up to her and climb up her back and jump into her arms and love to be hugged. Yeah, right. those are her pets.
0: <laughs> More well, with yeah.
2: If you if you handle them when they're young, they can make great pets.
0: <laughs> lap chickens, oh, yeah. yeah, lap uh-huh. chicken. More with Farmer Greg and Kari Spencer here at Rosie on the House. <laughs> one That's one triple eight, rosie for you If you'd like to join the conversation And just note, you will hear an auto-attendant, auto-answer uh, That's Lance Kunkel, one of our team members at Rosie on the house But you can hit one, just click one And it skips the auto attendant message and goes straight into our broadcast studio. And you can join the conversation. We do have callers lining up and in the screening process and we'll get to them, but we're going to get back to our guests, farmer Greg Peterson of the urban farm and Kari Spencer of the micro farm project talking backyard livestock. Where do you want to take it this segment?
1: I was going to say, let's talk about regulations, city regulations and policy. um, the, the what you need to know is uh, call your city um, neighborhood department and ask them if you can keep whatever animals you can keep because, you, you know, there, there are specific rules about that. Uh, what do you know about that, Kari, especially for goats?
2: Well, when you call, you want to make sure that you know the uh, square footage of your property. I know in Phoenix, if you have 10,000 square feet, you have no problems keeping up to 20 chickens. You can have a couple of backyard goats, no problems. Um, and in other cities, the rules are different. And in, in most places, you know, if your neighbors, unless the city forbids it, if your neighbors don't care, it's not usually a problem, but you do need to check and find out uh, from your city and also talk to your neighbors.
0: What department do I ask for when I call the city? Neighborhood services. Thank you.
1: Yeah, neighborhood services. And the curious thing is, and this has always blown me away, we the two of our biggest um, farming communities are Glendale and Chandler, and it's illegal to keep chickens there in your backyard. <laughs> I know. Yep.
2: Unless I, unless you live in some of the pocket areas that allow them, um, like you know we got sunburst farms over here but uh, and are
0: those on county islands is that why there's exemptions i'm oh, i'm not really
2: sure why they have exemptions they have big properties and it's always been i mean it, it as far back as people have been living here it's been used for agriculture so uh, somehow they got grandfathered in and they don't have to follow the same rules as their neighbors do <laughs>
1: So if you live in if you live in Glendale or Chandler and feel real energetic, you should change that law Um, because um, they're, you know, chickens are less invasive than feral cats and they give you food. So the other thing I like to talk about is roosters and, you know, roosters and hens. Those are the boys and the girls and. Uh, there's two myths about roosters. you remember the myths, Kari?
2: Yes. Uh, one is that you cannot have eggs without a rooster, which is not true. You do not need a rooster to have eggs for eating.
1: You need roosters to get uh, fertile eggs, but not eggs.
2: That's, that's correct, right. Yeah, and the other one is that they crow in the morning.
1: right? (laughs) They grow all the
2: time, whenever they they
1: want to. I used to date (laughs) a a young lady over near 36th Street in Osborne. And um, in that neighborhood, chickens since the 20s, since the 1920s, have been roaming free there. And, you know, they go off at two o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the afternoon. So um, really, you want to be conscious about uh, if you have roosters, you need. I think you need two acres in Phoenix, don't you, Kari?
2: To have roosters, yeah, you need yeah. you need some acreage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: you,
2: you need a head. buffer for your neighbors.
0: <laughs> right, Romy? And if you have a rooster, you've got to have a pen to keep them in because they can get mean. And there's nothing. Oh yeah. Uh, you know they they will. They, they get very territorial, and even though it's your backyard, the rooster will think it's his and uh, will we'll take it over. So you've got to be able to f- have him contained separately as well.
1: Yeah. Most people that I know that have uh, uh, chicken phobias, it's because when they were a kid, they were attacked by a rooster.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we never got attacked by our roosters. Our turkeys were another story. But we handled right. our roos from the time they were babies. So, uh they were a little bit more docile. In fact, my daughter could carry her rooster around like a baby.
1: Wow, nice. And um the reason to keep goats primarily for milk, what kind of damage do they do in your yard?,
2: <laughs> if you let them roam free, they'll just eat everything they at at their eye level. <laughs> You know, they, right. they like to... They're, they're not grazers like sheep. They like to look up to eat. And they will stand up on their hind legs to reach whatever they want to eat. So they will take down shrubs. They will take down the lower branches of trees. They will take bark off of trees on occasion. Yeah, so and they need strong fences because goats can climb chain link. So you've got to have some strong hardware cloth with small, uh, you know, small spaces in the mesh so that they can't get their little toes in there and, and climb it.
0: And very hardy. They're, they're very uh, low water requirements on goats. Uh, very, very hardy in the heat. Uh, but you still need some kind of shade for them. No one wants to stand out there in 110-degree weather and 120-degree weather, so goats and chickens and more here at Rosie on the House and we'll get to our calls after bottom of the hour news break 1 7674348 that's 1 8 Rosie for you You call the 800 number 888 767 4348. 1 Rosie for you. You'll get an auto attendant that's new. Just hit number one to bypass the message and it'll get you right into the studio. Just like Diane, who's called in to join us on air with farmer Greg Peterson of the Urban Farm and Carrie Spencer of the Micro Farm Project as we talk our way through uh, raising and managing and all the benefits of a backyard livestock. Good morning, Diane
3: well good morning everyone a big shout out to both uh kari spencer and greg kari your book city farming just came uh to my home yesterday so i'm very excited to crack it open and and take a look and greg uh thank you thank you thank you for the daily classes except the weekends uh, five to six because I've been tuning in and I, I'm very fortunate in the fact that I am only three blocks uh, from the Glendale borders. So technically I'm in Phoenix. And my nice. question is, Hey, hi there. So hello. The hello. Question, Thanks for being here.
1: hello.
3: Hello. Uh, no, I um, thank you, Greg. Thank you, Kari for for providing the guidance to get everything set up before you get chickens. But I've got a question. Do any of you have experience in raising quail? And what are your thoughts? Mm. Yes, I've but... raised
2: quail and they are delightful. You can put them in a cage. In fact, you have to because they can't roam free like chickens do, they, you will lose them if you do that. Uh, so you have to keep them penned. They don't need a very big pen, you know, maybe about a foot or two per bird. And they eat hardly any food. You know, they eat um, you know, they eat just a tiny little bit, and they're very dependable egg layers. And their eggs are wonderful. They're tiny. But compared to the size of the bird, if you hold the egg up next to the bird, it looks enormous. <laughs> Um, so I mean you get a lot of food value for very little feed and, and almost no work. They just they're just very easy to keep.
0: Now we're not talking game quail like gambles and my and, um, that, that you would find out in the desert. You mentioned a specific Japanese type quail. What what types of quail are you buying at your at your local feed shops?
2: Those are Coturnix quail, which are also called Japanese quail. They are a very specific breed. They don't have that plume on their head like the Gamble quail have. They look completely different. They're, they're a little squattier uh, body shape. They're, they're very compact animals. They're very hardy. So, you know, you're not going to go out and just catch some Gamble quail. You just, you want to um, go buy them at a, at a feed store specific, uh, those specific breeds.
0: And then we've got a texture that wants to know about geese. Well,
2: geese, they're loud, they're messy, and they're aggressive. Um, But if you can put up with that, they make wonderful eggs and meat. Uh, They're, you know, you raise them similar ways that you would raise ducks. Uh, and now, they're very they're very protective of property
0: now you said they they're eggs but don't they only lay like one a year
2: uh geese mm-hmm. oh i don't know um perhaps it depends on the breed but uh yeah i don't have any experience with geese i wouldn't raise them personally just because they are quite aggressive um but Romy, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about that.
0: And that's just something that Jonathan Manning of Elgin Nursery had told me about his geese. Is, you know, He's like, I don't even know why I keep them. They only lay one a year. And he's oh, like, there you go. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so maybe it is the
0: breed, or maybe he just had defective geese. I don't know.
2: <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs>
2: Jonathan, I, know I just into. want to shout
0: out to Jonathan
1: over at Elgin Tree Nursery. Those guys rock. I was just talking to him on the phone yesterday. They're really good people.
0: They are. The- and Elgin Nursery. That's one of my my go to places on the way home. Uh like uh, eighty third ish Avenue and off of I-10 I ten and McDowell Road. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I
1: also want to do. I was really excited to hear the uh, Saint Vincent de Paul commercial that added their urban farm, uh, and Nika and David over there and the crew are doing a really really great job. And I was on a call with uh, with Nika. Uh, the other day, and, and um, she shared with everybody that they're going to do 60,000 uh, 60, pounds of food that they're raising on their farms to take right into their kitchens. which is, wow, that's
0: just amazing. And they have chickens over there, too.
2: Yeah, that's outstanding.
0: It is. A, a, and their aquaponic uh, setup oh, yeah. there as well is is very impressive. They They got a lot of time invested in that. Yeah, and but yeah. I tell you what, you want to you want to get and uh, like uh, motivated. <laughs> you you can go down there and get motivated real quick to want to yeah. come replicate yeah, that I in your backyard. <laughs> right.
1: And the caller mentioned that we're doing uh, daily classes at five o'clock every day. Kari's given a couple of them. Basically, when this whole pandemic thing started, we, we our team looked at each other and said, "What can we do?" So at five p.m. Monday through Friday. Uh, We offer a gardening or garden-related class, and people can find out about them at iwanttogarden.com.
0: That's Uh, an easy one.
1: Yep, and they've been really great. It's you know we've getting people from all over the world, and um, you know just coming together to learn how to grow their own food.
0: And you know what's so funny is you know we're we're at a time in history that that's something you have to learn. So majority of the history, that was just something you did, (laughs) something you knew that was just part of life. It's only been within the last day or or century or so that we've gotten away from that. Now, uh, just just an interesting, interesting uh, observation. And, you know, if, if you've ever wanted to or encouraged to get started, now is a great time. This is. Uh, Going into the summer, there's still plenty of things that you can do uh, that still grow well. And, And the weather outside is just so nice.
1: Delightful, yeah. And now's a great time to get your summer garden started. So I think the biggest downfall for that is making sure you plant what's right for the season. So make sure you get yourself a good planting calendar about what to plant when.
0: And I could get that where? (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay,
0: plantingcalendar.org. <laughs> there you go, plantingcalendar.org. Now, what other things do we need to consider when, uh, when when we're looking at backyard livestock? And we're focused primarily on goats and chickens just because uh, they are the most popular and, uh, you know, because they're the easiest. Yeah,
1: well, and you know, Kari's mentioned several times meat animals, and I've raised uh, meat animals chickens and meat turkeys here and they're generally a different breed and it's a different game with with meat chickens uh, you get a, a little peeper that's a two-day-old or one-day-old chick and you have to be ready to butcher that animal by about eight weeks out otherwise they're they grow so quickly uh, what is your experience with that Kari?
2: Yeah they can grow you know you can be <laughs> Some breeds you can even be needing to process them in six weeks. You know they're just they're just so fast, and you don't want to mix them with your with your laying hen flock because anytime you introduce new members to a flock, it causes disruption and stress. So if you're putting a uh, a group of chickens in with your uh, laying hens, that stresses them out, and then when you take them back out, that stresses them out. So, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to do that really. So, and they also can eat different fe- different feeds, you know, so you just keep them separate and have somebody who can help you to process if you've never done it before. Um, it's, it's not, it, it's easy once you've done it a few times, but it's not something you want to dive into probably just on your own without some guidance. So there's a lot of groups online on facebook and and elsewhere livestock groups that you can probably find somebody who will help you with that and make sure that's lined up before you even get your birds otherwise you know if you're having trouble finding someone then you're on your own and that's a tough situation
0: another interesting text question real quick can you mix ducks chicken turkey quail and pheasant all together or do you have to have separate pins for each different species of bird
2: Well, some people do mix their flocks, and some people don't. It just depends. You know, if you're really wanting to make sure they're eating their own feed because some of them have different needs, then you have to keep them separate because they will just eat whatever's readily available to them. But other people like to get just a a feed for all flock, and they keep them together. Um, You know, it's... There's a lot of reasons to do it and a lot of reasons not to. So, you know, if you're going to get more than one breed, then you need to do a little research on what your your varieties need and then make your decision on that.
1: And I really want to reiterate that if you're thinking about getting any of the backyard animals that we've mentioned, including worms, uh, you need to think through the whole process and have have the process laid out from beginning to end before you get them, at least in your head so that you know where you're going. That's really important. Mm-hmm. Romy.
0: Now, what about, uh, we had mentioned earlier that <laughs> every, every stock shop we call before the broadcast. They're all a week or two weeks away from getting uh, new chickens, uh, baby chickens. and those come from hatcheries. And I have found uh, personally that I have had the best luck with a hatchery um, out of New Mexico. Uh, the ones that come from Ohio and the Midwest, the, their breeds are they're, they're better suited for, those regional areas so when you're at the stock shop look and see where what hatcheries these are coming from and try and get something that's from the southwest Uh, there's a couple over in california like i had mentioned the uh i believe it's privet out of new mexico i've had absolutely the best luck out of that hatchery and then um a benefit to doing that is they they guarantee like 98 percent hens I did, um, I ordered uh, heirloom chicks one time uh, uh-huh. from uh a, a heirloom grower out of California that I had met. And it, it was really the only reason I bought it because the breed of the chicken was Buckeye. <laughs> and, and these are oh. very specific oh. desert chickens. And uh, so I, I ordered uh, two dozen from them. Eighteen were roosters. Oh, my gosh. And you don't find that out till about four or five months after it, so you've got all this time and growing them and feeding them and caring for them, and over half of them were roosters that we had <laughs> to find new for homes that, right?
2: for. Oh, my. You're
3: not going to get much sleep that, with that right? many roosters.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. right. There's a name for that, right, Kari?
2: A name for what? <laughs>
1: Isn't that called
2: straight run? Oh yes. Ne- there's nest run, straight run, different terms that that you get. But yeah, you want to make sure that you're buying from a hatchery that guarantees, like Romy said, the ninety-eight percent, ninety-eight percent female. <laughs>
1: no, yeah. And
2: and if you do get a rooster by accident. A lot of the uh, feed stores will take them, and you know they'll find people who will take them off your mm-hmm. hands. Um, yeah, but yeah, you don't want to end are. up with eighteen of them.
1: <laughs> right, one year, one year, about I don't know, ten years ago, I did an experiment. I had a friend with a big, big backyard, and so we bought a hundred chicks, and we got one male and wow. ninety-nine females. Yeah, so the the um the process that they go through on that, apparently they got it down.
0: Now, we had a texture questioning you, Greg. He said uh, you'd mentioned raccoon, but I bet it was a ringtail cat. And I actually looked around because I, kn- I knew I could find it. I sent them back a link to AZ Central about raccoons in Phoenix. There, there are raccoons. Okay. You were not misspeaking when you said that.
1: No, not at all. We have pictures of it. Heidi came to me. It was about 10 o'clock at night. And she peeked out the back door, and she, she grabbed her phone, and she said, oh, my God, Greg, look what's on the back patio. And turns out it was a raccoon.
0: Yeah, they they are here. And we got one final segment with Kari Spencer and farmer Greg Peterson here at Rosie on the House right after this. Thanks a lot of sitting, getting chicks to hatch cold. There ain't nobody here but those chickens, darling. Nobody at all.
1: So quiet yourself. Stop on that fuss. There ain't nobody.
0: I'll give a, my final two cents on chickens real quick, and I'll turn it over to Greg and Kari to finish up the last final segment. Um, breeds, I the breed I have now has been my absolute favorite, and I got them from Western Ranchmen, and they were a cross between a Rhode Island Red and a Red Star. They have been extremely hardy. Um, if there was one downside to them, they are extremely good flyers, and they get out of their pen constantly um and i it doesn't bother me so much but when you're sitting under the lawn i mean they're like they, they completely get in on you and you know I, this morning when i was feeding the horses i had two of them in the wheelbarrows i'm pulling the hay that were and they're flapping around nice. so they, <laughs> they, they can get in your space um but second uh, you can't order direct from the hatchery in a lot of cases and it sounds like from the calls uh, around to the stock shops that you know everyone's a couple weeks out from getting them, and then I would imagine they're gonna go pretty quick. So your best bet yeah. if you wanted to start this season is try order straight from the hatchery and you're gonna have to do that quick because they will stop shipping chickens once the temperature uh, is over ninety degrees they They don't ship after that. so there's a a whole season during the summer, a couple months span where they're not even coming into Arizona. They don't even bring them in on 40 into Flagstaff because you still have to come from Albuquerque or across the Mojave. So getting here uh, is is too hot for transportation. And then the final thing is every six months, we'll get another breed so we can always tell how old the chickens are because they'll only lay eggs for about 18 months. So we try and keep the ones that are 18 months in the cage and the ones that are over that, we let out to range and... Roost and, and scratch in the orchard and peck and and eat insects. And then that's that's my final bit. And we've got a great resource at Rosieonthehouse.com for chickens. Books. Stacking functions, huh? Yes, stacking yes. functions. Hey, 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 oh, uh... I
1: love that you brought that up, Gary. <laughs> um, you you know, you mentioned a couple of, of uh things and my experience with them is that they do last they do lay longer than eighteen months, Kari. Yeah, they do.
2: They just slow down the older they get they slow down you know some breeds will lay like six eggs a week and you know but as they get older that just decreases gradually
0: yeah we'll have some we'll have some that'll lay up four five six years of age but you know for that one every three or four weeks it's not worth it to keep it in the in the egg pen you know yeah we'll we'll let that and, and, go to compost or let the dogs have that egg when it finally comes.
1: Oh, there you go. The uh the what i found is that the older they get, the they lay less eggs, but the eggs get bigger. Agree. Yeah. We and interesting, we just had a hen die 6 weeks ago that uh as far as we could tell she was 9 years old. Um wasn't hadn't laid in years, so she's, you know, as you, as you say, Romy, you put them out to pasture, they can, uh, um, you know, they eat your bugs and weeds and till and, you know, do all that great work for you. So you don't want to you don't want to move them along too fast.
0: And then and you I, had an email about rabbits.
1: Oh, I did. Yes. Uh, I'll get to that in one sec. I want to talk about flying chickens real quick. Okay. What do you do Carly, for uh, chickens to help them not fly so far?
2: Well, in our case, we cut the, on one wing, we cut the longest feathers off the underside of the wing and that made them a little unstable so they could still fly somewhat but not get over the fences.
1: Yeah, and the the key there is only prune one wing and it's just like cutting your nails so it's not hurting them. But uh, I had a lady a few years ago Um, say, I I need to bring you some chickens. Uh, They keep getting out. I said, well, did you prune their their wings? And she said, yeah, I pruned both sides.
0: And I had a great text to ask, you know, if you let your chickens out, how do they go, how do you get them back in? Well, at the end of the day, when the sun sets, they'll return to roost by themselves, and you just go lock in. Urbanfarm.org to get more from farmer Greg Peterson or sign up for any of his classes. Plantingcalendar.org.